and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote this U-Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that's why every single week I bring a guest on with tools to help you upgrade your confidence both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. Soul CBD is the purest, cleanest CBD company that I've used. And at this point, I won't go anywhere else for CBD. Their products are all organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in them. So it's just clean CBD to help you calm your stress or your anxiety so that you can sleep well and be the best you possible. So if you don't have a sweet tooth like I do, then perhaps instead of their CBD gummies, I highly recommend checking out their CBD oil droppers that still happen to taste really good. The highest dose is 1,500 milligrams, the lightest dose is 500 milligrams, and their flavors include watermelon mint, orange, peppermint, and my personal favorite, the lemon lime. So before I became obsessed with the CBD gummies, I was taking these droppers at night per the suggestion of my doctor, who told me that they are totally safe and such a great way for me to get better, deeper sleep so that I can wake up replenished and tackle the day. Co-founder of Soul CBD, Mike Lee, discovered this product as a healing remedy for him after being a professional boxer, enduring all sorts of injuries during his career in boxing matches all around the world, and it's helped him heal so much with his autoimmune illness. It's really this product that was key to bringing his body back into a better homeostasis, and I know it's doing the same For so many people, this little oil dropper is perfect to throw into your purse, or if you're feeling extra, you can drop a little splash of it into your coffee or your cocktail to calm yourself down for the day. As you know, our friends at SoulCBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. I can't suggest them enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul to access our special page with them. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash S-O-U-L, soul, to access our page. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout for 15% off. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. One of the things about positive psychology is it's not just about being positive all of the time. And we actually do ourselves a disservice if we try and force ourselves to feel good. So if you're not feeling good, there's also great value in that. So my invitation for anyone that's listening and that is going through like feelings of loss or encounters grief at some time, as we all will, is to first of all, just allow your emotions to flow and allow yourself to really like have that release. And then look at, okay, so what what is the learning? What is the gift? What is the blessing within this? What's going on, U-Turn friends? I don't know how I have gone this long with a mindset category on this show without having my really dear friend, positive psychologist Nick Pigeon on the show. She's an incredible business coach. She has a program that is badass called Unstoppable Success. So many entrepreneurs thriving in it. But what strikes me as the most important and moving about her, beyond her being an author of a really awesome book called Now Is Your Chance, 
is that she seems to always have such a good mood, such a good mindset. And every now and again, when she opens her mouth and starts sharing things that happened in her life, losses that she's had, I just get so moved, so impressed. So Nick, obviously I have all the questions of how you are such a happy person, even in the wake of all of the losses that can happen. So thank you so much for being here on the show. I love that big question. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I honestly like I, I feel like you get this feedback, like you're you're in a good mood. You're you're happy and you like what you do and you light up over it and you're always expanding and you know, you're going to see your new home tonight, most likely. Like there's just such beautiful things happening for you. And I'm curious, like if you could paint a picture for everybody of like what got you into positive psych and what what was going on in your world that you had to overcome. Mm, super interesting because I wasn't always supposed to be a psychologist. I was actually supposed to be an engineer, which is vastly different from being a psychologist. Um, but I had this like intuitive like breakthrough, which made me shift my career from engineering to psych back in, goodness, it was when I was like 17, 18, and I'm now 33. So it was a while ago. It makes me feel old. But it was, I had a partner at the time who was a professional cricket player, and he'd gone to see a sports psychologist who had told him when he was on the cricket pitch and he was going into bat, don't look for the fielders, but look for the gaps in between the fielders instead. Now that's like such a simple like shift in the way that you like frame your life. And I, I heard that. I was like, oh my goodness, like this doesn't just have to apply to sport. It can apply to us in everyday life. So that was really when I made that choice to cancel my degree in engineering and start to study psychology. But what a lot of people don't know is that psychology as usual like that's that's not focused on what goes well it tends to be focused more on disorder and disease and what goes wrong with people rather than what goes right Mm. so I spent kind of like three years at university studying normal psychology so doing all of the developmental things like doing like criminal pieces doing cognitive psychology and I loved it all But in my final year, I had a guest expert speaker that came in to speak. And she was one of the the founders of Positive Psychology. And she'd just written a book on it. And she spoke. And you know when something just, like, falls into place? Mm -hmm. It was a major, like, oh, my goodness, this is it moment. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is, like, years before Positive Psychology was cool. This was, like, way back when. This is probably, like, 2009. 2010 mm-hmm. um and I read her book her name was Al- Alona Bonniewell I read her book I then ended up doing my thesis on psychology and sport and gratitude specifically and then went on to study positive psychology at university now when I studied at university it was I feel very blessed because it was a very personal journey of like learning the science but testing everything on myself at the same time mm-hmm. and at the time I was I was like a happy-go-lucky 20-something person that was kind of like breathing my way through life always worked really hard always had tons of fun and learning these tools and was just like oh my goodness we can use these to feel even better than ever before mm-hmm. it wasn't until 2014 when I had some major personal experiences that 
taught me just how powerful these tools really are because I was forced to put them to the test. And I understand now that they can work when things are really, really not going right in your life as well as when they are. Mm. Mm. And um, like, I know that you have come up against like loss in your friendships and, you know, whether it's somebody who's passed away and in my case, like having a sister who passed away, Mm. um, are there any tools that you tend to turn to like as a first go of like, okay, this is the first tool that I'm going to use to get leverage on my grief or my loss so that I can move back into resilience? Yeah, it's interesting. Like with every one of my friends that's passed away, and there's been seven of my close friends that have passed away, and three of them have died by suicide. So everyone that's passed has given me like a different perspective. So I think like when my first friend passed away, it was more confusion and like not understanding Mm -hmm. and just really just trying to get to grips with the fact that I'd lost someone when previously I hadn't lost anyone before. And then as I've grown and as I've grown older and unfortunately had more and more of these experiences, I've tended to find like a learning or a lesson or a blessing within the grief. So certainly like I'll share with you my most recent experience my friend Sophie who like on paper had a perfect life she was um like gorgeous she was from a great family she was she always seemed happy she she had it all going on she was a a tv star she she just seemed to have it all figured out and she took her own life like she she had been depressed um and she took her own life she'd been through a lot of my courses and she was just always like a cheerleader and super super supportive and it was a real shock when she took her own life and I think because we had been so close and she had been involved in positive psychology and she had been doing some work and trying and really trying to get herself on the right side of things it was almost more painful to be equipped with these tools. And I remember feeling, I was in Cape Town at the time when I had a home over there. And I remember sitting on the sofa and just being in this state of almost like numbness and disbelief. And I was crying and I was like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why have I been given this big mission and big purpose in the world where I'm able to impact millions of people through the work that I do, through my books, through my media, through having a voice about positive psychology, about suicide, about rape, like supporting people in business to find their personal power. But I can't save one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a very tough moment for me. And where I always go is, first of all, like looking for the learning and looking for the lesson whilst also allowing yourself some space to actually feel Mm -hmm. so one of the things about positive psychology is it's not just about being positive all of the time and we actually do ourselves a disservice if we try and force ourselves to feel good so if you're not feeling good there's also great value in that so my invitation for anyone that's listening and is going through like feelings of loss or encounters grief at some time as we all will is to first of all just allow your emotions to flow and allow yourself to really like have that release mm-hmm. and then look at okay so what what is the learning what is the gift what is the blessing within this and I think for me it really deepened my mission 
once I got out of that space of like frustration around not being able to help everyone I came back to the place of well you know Nick like you can help other people and it doesn't actually matter if it's your best friend or a complete stranger touching one life and being able to make a difference really matters so when you find meaning there's a there's a great book called um a man's search for meaning Mm-hmm. And it's by a guy called Viktor Frankl, who was actually in the Nazi concentration camps. When you find meaning in amongst your past previously perceived as negative experience, you're able to actually find great positivity and like relief within that. Mm-hmm. So we talk about in positive psychology, like you need these five things, five criteria to be able to live a happy and flourishing life. So one of them is actually meaning and purpose. So we have positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, meaning and purpose, and then accomplishment at the end. So that meaning doesn't just apply to grief or low mood or depression. It applies to our human experience in general and how we can look to feel better more of the time. So I always ground in the gratitude of whether it feels like a bad thing or it feels like a good thing. It's always a good thing, ultimately even if it feels hard at the time. Oh, and I feel like it's so hard to be able to get that. Like one thing I know I was messaging you about this week was just like how I found out my puppy Jupiter has like some sort of neurological condition, like something's Mm -hmm. going on and I can feel part of me wanting to go into denial and like, and I'm also being optimistic, which by the way, I find really interesting. There seems to be in positive psychology or just in the spiritual space, a very fine line between holding a vision and like looking at what's possible and having a good mindset versus being delusional. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like with my my puppy, I like want to hold a vision that he'll outgrow whatever this weird thing is that he has going on where he gets these little spasm attacks in his leg. But I also am aware of what the vet said, who is, you know, doctor for dogs telling me that this looks like a neurological condition and it's going to shorten his lifespan if it is and there's no treatment. And, you know, like, obviously I had a good cry when I came home from that last week, but I, one thing that it's really challenging for me is just around certainty. Like I seem to be fine with uncertainty on a day-to-day basis when it's like basic, like, um, oh, like, I'm not really sure what my business will look like next year. Um, I'm not sure if this person's upset at me, like those things I'm fine, but things that seem to like threaten my dog's life or COVID and how I have, you know, a family member with like all of these lung conditions, like that kind of uncertainty, I think it weighs so heavy, not just on me, but anybody who's kind of dealing with the times right now. Um, like what, how do you navigate uncertainty or knowing that a loss is coming? Like, let's say somebody who's listening right now, their mom is sick and it doesn't look like a good prognosis. Like how do you create a positive time with yourself while that person is alive so that you're not like almost grieving their death the entire time along the way? Mm, that's such a great question. And first of all, like, I'm so sorry to hear about Jupiter. And I'm so glad that he gets you as a mom. Like, mm-hmm. what an awesome experience that he actually has you to look after. him. like someone that's so conscious, so caring, so loving. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually a win. And I always believe we get, we're given these experiences because we're supposed to learn and supposed to grow. So there's perhaps something within you exploring this uncertainty and you exploring these feelings of loss and grief that are going to give you access to a much like broader experience within this lifetime than you would have had before. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So then in terms of like dealing with dealing with grief or dealing with like what might happen in the future and dealing with uncertainty, like I always bring it back to what is real and what is happening right now. Mm. What is it that we can control and what is it that's out of our control? And when you start to ask yourself that question, you start to see, okay, so what what is actually going on here? Like, what is it that I am scared of? What mm-hmm. is it that is bringing up this emotion right now? What is it that is bringing this feeling of fear in to my reality right now? And getting really clear and naming what that thing is first can mm-hmm. really help with the next steps to guide yourself through. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, okay, so once you know what the fear is, you look so at- in my case, it would be like fear of loss, like fear of him dying. Yeah. So then what part of that can you control and what can't you control? Mm, absolutely. So, I can control. Yeah. You can control yourself and you can control the way you feel mm-hmm. and you can control in part the care that he has. You can control how you show up, like how you look after him, the like veterinary care that you get him. But ultimately, you can't force what happens in terms of like how long he's here with us. Mm-hmm. So you would look at, okay, so where actually do I have to make peace with the fact that I can't control everything and let that part go and give myself credit and be, be in gratitude for the things that I can actually support with and the things that I can control here and do more of that stuff whilst letting the other stuff go. Mm-hmm. And then really grounding in like your own daily practice. Mm-hmm. So that might be a mindset practice. It might be a spiritual practice, but something mm-hmm. that's getting you centered and grounded and getting you in a place where you're connected and you are like, you can feel good and you can feel ready to start the day. Now, there's a distinction to be made here because I said before, you don't always have to feel good. And now I'm saying get in a good feeling state to start your day. Like mm-hmm. both of those can coexist together. So naturally as humans, we have these like ebbs and flows of emotions and no one's going to feel good all of the time. However, from in your day to day, you do have a personal responsibility to hold yourself accountable, to be able to find your peace, to find your center and to really allow yourself to feel good as more of the time. So my invitation is to to figure out like what would be, it doesn't have to be hard. Like the thing that I love about positive psychology is it's really simple, easy to integrate things. And a lot of them, when you share them, they sound like common sense. So mm. you might develop a, a real grounding practice of meditation. Now, for anyone that hasn't tried it, it doesn't just have to mean like, I used to think that meditation was, okay, so we're going to go and sit on your bed and you're going to close your eyes and you're going to think of nothing. Yeah. So when I when I try to do that, it was like the hardest thing in the world to do. So mm-hmm. meditation might be finding an app, so something like Calm or Headspace, something that's got or even on YouTube, like a guided meditation that can get you out of your negative, destructive, like negative thinking loop where you're looping. What happens if this happens? why do I feel so bad? I'm going to miss him so much. All of these thoughts and feelings, which are natural thoughts and feelings to come up, but can also be detrimental to how you want to feel and also the things that you want to get done in your life. So having a meditation practice that you can say, okay, I'm done with feeling this way. 
like I've allowed myself to feel this way for some time and now I'm declaring that I would like to feel better so I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to sit in meditation I'm going to quiet my mind I'm going to really get in like do like a like a loving kindness meditation or something like that so it's really bringing in these peak positive emotions where you're like overflowing and like with all of these like the love the joy the gratitude the excitement the appreciation these top tier level of emotions which shoot our frequency up and actually allow us to be in a better place for everything that we want to do it Mm. might also be some meditation is definitely one it might also be moving your body so Mm -hmm. making sure that these negative emotions or these heavy emotions that we're feeling when it comes to grief they're not staying in our bodies so Mm -hmm. making sure that we're getting out for a walk even if it's just for 10 minutes practicing shaking like we do a lot of like shamanic shaking at kundalini and oh it feels so good it feels so good just to stand (laughs) put some music on and shake it out and actually get that energy moving so that you're not getting this like nervous system response all of the time where you're thinking of something bad and it's actually starting to affect the your physiology as well as your psychology and your emotions. Mm-hmm. So meditation, movement, gratitude. So being grateful for the time that you do have because looking back, let's say you have another 10 years together. Looking back after that 10 years, do you want to remember being worried all of the time, mm-hmm. being frantic all of the time? Or do you want to remember being playful like really enjoying your time, making the most out of your time. Like how do you want to be able to look back on the the minutes and the hours and the moments and the months that you do have together? Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee, but the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue, and it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems head-on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use the code U-Turn. Again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I love this so much. And 
you know, I know it's easier said than done. I'm, I'm curious to understand, like, what did your grief look like when you lost your friend Sophie? And I just get sad every time I hear that you have gone through so many, seven friends. It's like, that is so unusual. It almost feels like it must be a part of your curriculum in life to mm. like experience and teach from that. But so painful. Like I always actually wonder, and I never get around to asking you, Nick, like how, how did you navigate after she passed away? Like what was your process? It's crazy. It's like, it's literally so crazy. I was like, literally brought tears to my eyes because it's grief comes in waves. Like it's not something that you can make sense of. It's not something that you can put in a box and like, it's actually a really beautiful thing. Like I, I always love when I'm reminded of it. I love when I have the opportunity to like sit and look at photos or talk with friends. And there's so many good experiences that we've got, even amongst not being able to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, I mean, it's just, it's crazy having three of your close friends that have taken their own lives. And I've made this part of my research for my next book, Force of Nature. Mm-hmm. So I, with the brand, like Unstoppable Success that I have, I'm fascinated by what it is that commonly stops people and what it truly takes to become unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So like I've had trauma and challenges in my life and I've gone on to create an amazing, amazing life as have so many others. So mm-hmm. I've just been so curious around what is it that makes somebody decide that they want to quit and they don't want to be here anymore. And other people go on to not just survive or not just thrive, but they go on to perform better than ever before. So that curiosity, and honestly, Ash, like I never thought I would be a positive psychologist that's become obsessed by suicide. It sounds crazy, but like you say, it's almost like I've been delivered to this place where I've been given these experiences to explore so that I can support with some sort of like advanced understanding. Mm-hmm. and. There's a ton of books on things like resilience. There's books about grit. There's books about adversity. There's stories of people who've overcome it. And there's books about suicide. But there's nothing really out there that pinpoints what it is that makes people go on to have these amazing lives. So Mm. when Soph died, it it was crazy. I'd just been to a wedding in uh, Mallorca which is in Spain and we had like a hundred of our friends there for my friend's wedding and then I'd flown to Cape Town and nobody ever rings me like I'm a very like text voice note kind of girl so every time my phone rings I have this thing where I'm like oh god it's it's bad news Mm. so one of my friends called me and she was like have you heard about Sophie and I was like no what I literally landed walked into my home dropped off my bags and she was like she's she's dead she's she's dead she's taken her own life so I literally packed up my bags again went back to the airport flew back from South Africa to England and just stayed there for two weeks just to be with my friends and kind of process mm-hmm. um like nothing's ever going to prepare you for that it's always going to give you a like a response and a feeling and being upset but for me these times of we've always got through them with our group of friends by being together by having a shared understanding and by really being able to like share stories and be intentional about things like we got her like we're getting a like a bench made up with her name on and things like that so it's looking at what you can do and what you can learn and how you can commit to doing your best the best for each other 
to make sure that these things don't happen with our, within our friendship group anymore. Mm. There's a, um, it's like a phenomenon that's called suicide contagion, which when one friend in a friendship group takes their own life, it's actually easier for someone else to do it because they see it happening and it becomes mm. normalized. So now we see celebrities and other people who are going through this and who are dying by suicide in our society is becoming more and more normal. And then Mm -hmm. through things like COVID in extreme isolation, it's also becoming more challenging for people to have the social connections and the normalcy of life to actually like keep them going and like keep them in that momentum of a normal existence. So what we've seen is that suicide rates have increased during COVID. And it's not really something that's been like commented on, but it is a it's a real social issue that's going on in our world right now and something that needs to be addressed. So like I'm really committed to exploring what it is that that makes people keep on going. And I know that one of the things you mentioned optimism, one of the things is actually hope. So it's a positive psychology thing that we study. But it's also something that's studied in studies of suicide. And what people mention is that the reason that they keep on going, the reason that they get through another hour or they get through another day is because they do have something to hold on to that is hope. And we Mm. also know that talking helps. I felt frustrated because I felt like everybody says talking helps, but it doesn't really help. But Mm. studies have shown that it does. So we can lean on the science and say, actually, finding a sense of hope or giving someone a sense of hope, someone that you know that is maybe struggling with depression or is is shared with you that they're feeling suicidal, if you can demonstrate to them or give them examples of other people that have overcome that, that, then they will find it, feel more hopeful that they can actually get through it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just listening to you and thinking to myself, like I had a very close family member who, I had no idea had had a period of time that they were suicidal. And it was interesting for them to share this with me after the fact, because I I can hardly look back into our history together and recall moments where they seem so low to me that I, that they would think that's an option. Mm. Um, And so like, do you, what information do you have around like people's well-being as a population? Like are most people walking around like in depression, like, do you know anything about just the population as a whole and how much depression there is out there? Well, depression is really more prevalent than ever in our world. And what positive psychology does, it actually deals with moderately mentally healthy people to shift them up into the top tail end of psychological flourishing. But we also have some of the interventions like the ones that I've mentioned, so like gratitude movement and um, meditation, that are proven to support with clinical populations as well. And I think mm. what's important to understand is that people, it's, I feel like there's this huge sense of like shame around mm. like not feeling good. And mm. we're slowly but surely coming to a place where we're able to have more conversations around the way that we feel and we're able to um, just hold space for those times when we don't feel great. So I guarantee somebody that you know is struggling and then not reaching out. So yeah. one of the best things that we have learned is to check in on people and not necessarily like judge or like pry, but check in with a simple like, how are you today? 
And yeah. that in itself is enough to open up a conversation because somebody that is struggling doesn't always want to reach out to you. So yeah. one of my other friends, Chris, who was struggling, he he actually um, got told that he was bipolar and he didn't want to accept that and he didn't want to take any medication for it because he felt ashamed. So mm-hmm. he didn't want to be labelled and he just kind of struggled on in himself we were all talking with him and but it was like he he had the support but he didn't feel like he could go and make progress with getting medication or anything like that because there was still this social stigma I feel like mm-hmm. it's slightly different here in the states but certainly back in England people aren't accustomed to going to therapy or they're not accustomed to like going to get help for the, the stuff that they're struggling with so I feel like knowing that it's so prevalent. Yeah. And, and and even just to drive that in more, Nick, like I read before our conversation that suicide is the second leading cause of death yeah. in the United States for ages 15 to 44. So anybody listening, there's one death by suicide every 12 minutes. So there've been at least two people who've committed suicide since we started this episode, mm-hmm. which is just like so grounding and, I also find it interesting, like one in five Americans will be impacted by mental illness during their lifetime. I'm not clear if this data means like they themselves or somebody in their life and it's impacting theirs. Um, but not to completely deviate, you were talking about your friend, Chris, but I just, I, I think people don't realize how common this is. It's so common. I think the problem is people like, it's almost like a taboo subject. Like I say, it's getting better now. But these are the conversations that we need to be bringing to dinner parties so that we can talk more freely about it so that there's not a stigma. Because I know I've been in a place before where I felt like I don't want to be here multiple times. And the more that we can normalize those feelings and those conversations, the easier it's going to be for people to be supported. Yeah. It, and, and I also, I, I'm, I'm curious, like if you, if somebody listening right now is feeling, cause I know, especially with 2020, it's just been such a doozy of a year for so mm. many people and, and a powerful year for others. Um, but sometimes when I'm really doing well, I kind of tune into my, like my awareness of how many people are not feeling good right now. Um, what would be your message for somebody who's listening right now? And they just feel so down during COVID, like maybe they're laid off, maybe their career is stagnant, you know, they haven't seen their friends, they just feel lonely or alone. Like, what would you say to them? Well, everything is temporary, first of all, like all things are fleeting, and you can feel better again. Like one of the good things from Psych is that we know that it's actually only 10% of your happiness is your circumstances. So they say that around 50% is genetic, and a huge 40% is within our control. And now wow. with the new science of epigenetics as well, where we know that genetics are actually malleable and can be influenced, it's probably more than that. So most of your happiness is within your control. So even though there's all of these external things that are like getting us down at the moment, we can practice things that can start to shift the way that we feel, whether it's doing a morning ritual or whether it's getting out into nature like one of the things that I love to, to teach, this stuff's basic, Ash. It's like so basic. So when you know how, it's easy to do. There's a practice that's like about stretching your happiness. And it's about reflection and anticipation of happy events. So if you write down 
like a list of awesome memories that you've got. So things from your past that have made you feel good that you can recollect. You can also write down a list of things that you've got to look forward to in the future and use them to actually engage in a practice called savoring. So it's a practice on positive psychology, which basically means like you really savor, just like you savor, like when you go for dinner with a a piece of food, savor your experiences. So savor your past experiences, remember how you felt, remember what you loved about them, savor in the present. So really savor, like if you are in nature, really appreciating that nature. If you're with a friend, appreciating your friend, appreciating the conversation, appreciating your home and what you do have, appreciating your health. And then in the future, what do you have to anticipate and what excites you about that? What is it that you're, um, you're hopeful about or you're enthusiastic about calling in in the future? And doing those three things can actually bring like a really positive experience to you in the now. Hey, U-Turners, for this quick interruption, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our incredible sponsors over at SaneBox, an artificial intelligence-powered email tool that has been a game changer for freeing up my time and boosting my productivity. So with more than 200 to 300 billion emails going out per day and over 7 trillion emails going out each year, it's really no secret that email is kind of slowly killing all of us. In fact, recent data shows that more than half of employees feel like their email is killing them and another study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes is spent on emails that should have never been sent to them in the first place or didn't even require their answer. This is where SaneBox comes in. With the press of just one magical button, I've been able to say goodbye to all of those time-wasting emails and hello to my sanity and my schedule again. Seriously, everyone needs them. So when you sign up at sanebox.com slash U-Turn, that's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, you'll get 14 days for free and $25 off their super affordable membership if you decide to join and you love it as much as I do. And once you'll do that, you'll be able to easily sign into your current email box and with a click of the button, you can integrate SaneBox. And I am not very tech savvy, but I've got to admit this was super easy. And from there, you'll see under your inbox folder and your sent folder, a couple new folder friends. One is going to be called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for spammy emails that you don't need to see. And the other folder you'll see is called the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag and drop emails into both of these folders that you don't want to be subscribed to anymore. Between mailing lists and cold sales emails, I'm at 100 black hole emails per week, such a big time saver, and my sane later box that takes all of these other emails I don't really need in my inbox, I check it once a week or so, and I'm always so pleasantly surprised to see over hundreds and hundreds of emails in there that I never needed to even see. The black hole will use artificial intelligence to get to know you and eventually auto-place emails in there to support your productivity. I check it weekly, like I said, and there's really nothing I'd have changed. What a gift. It is like a magic trick for your inbox. As I mentioned, head on over now to sanebox.com slash U-Turn. That's S-A-N-E box.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of Sanebox for free, as well as a $25 credit for a serious discount on their super affordable membership. If you're anything like me, you are going to be in love with it. Now let's get back to this week's episode. 
You know, I find, I love that you talk about hope, Nick, because sometimes when you, you feel, and it's not that you're a victim to feel this, but you just feel kind of beat up. And it's like when life can kind of have those moments, it can feel so vulnerable to have hope. You know, it's Mm. like such an act of vulnerability to say, like, this is my reality today. And I am going to be bold and courageous enough to think that it doesn't have to be this way when so many people see their reality, believe their reality, and don't rise above it. Have you found what the difference is between the people who kind of like stay on the sidelines after like life kind of wipes them out versus the people who are like, all right, life just totally hit me and onwards and upwards? So with my research, like I'm really looking at it like a combination of things which determine how we're actually able to go on to, to thrive. Now, one of the big things is having some sort of social support. And that's why we see that now, like being in community is more important than ever before, because mm-hmm. isolation is something that can actually affect our mental health and the way that we feel. So the mm-hmm. more that you can have, whether it's like girlfriends or guy friends, social groups, or getting into some sort of virtual community online, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, maybe forums that you're a part of, where you can have that sense of belonging and have someone that you can actually engage with that's known to actually contribute to a greater sense of resilience. Another thing that's known to contribute to resilience is actually humor. So if you can bring a sense of humor to everything that you do, maybe it is during tough times and you can kind of put a positive spin on it or um, you're like looking at what positive experiences that you can have so you can be more in those joyful experiences that actually contributes to your toolkit so that you are psychologically more prepared when hard times do hit Mm. so definitely remaining connected there's a great intervention that you can do which actually cultivates a sense of hope hope and optimism and this is it's a proven post-psych intervention which takes about 20 minutes It's called the best possible self. Now, this is like, if you want to feel more hopeful and you want to have a greater sense of optimism for the future, even though things are hard right now, just take 20 minutes for yourself. Just get a quiet space, pen and paper. It's better if you write by hand rather than typing. It gives more of like a connection um, to what it is that you're visualizing. And I want you just to imagine a time in the future when everything has gone as well as it possibly could and really get into how you would feel in that moment, in that place and space and time. Where are you as your best possible self? Who is it that you're with? What are you wearing? How do you feel? What do you smell? What are you doing? What do you do for work? Which family are there? So really paint a picture, a really vivid picture for 20 minutes of what that life reality looks like when everything has gone as well as it possibly could. And that is known to bring feelings and a sense of hope and hope and optimism um, for, for way, like for time after you've done that as well. Yeah. It's like the power of the mind and how much we can yeah. go up we can go down when we put a vision in our head. It's like, if I, just, if I let myself think about losing my dad, it's like, I could get to tears very quick. That's how mm. it feels so real. So it's like, or, or especially my puppy who has this possible diagnosis. Um, like 
when it comes to creating a vision for your life, um, and you know, you get setbacks and stuff like that. Um, how do you navigate when there's like a big failure or something like that? Like I know for me losing a ha- you know, making enough mistakes in business to lose a half million dollars and spending the past few years paying it off with my last $30,000 check paying it off next week. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Sorry. Well done, my friend. Amazing. <laughs> but you know, it's like, I, I remember Nick when that happened to me, I feel like you weren't in my orbit as much during that time four years ago, but you know, like Alyssa was and Sarah was, mm. and I could share my failure with them, but the failure felt too big to share with the world. Like I think in personal development, it gets so tempting to be like, I went through this and now I can share because I have all these tools and I have a story. But for me, I was like, this story is way too scary for me to step on any stage and talk about. And it wasn't until I had like $150,000 of debt left, like I could literally see the like light at the end of the tunnel that I was like, all right, now I'm ready to be empowered about this and take pride in the accomplishment around it and, you know, just move forward. Um, but there was such a time where it almost felt like I didn't have any vision because I was just so tense about cleaning up this mess. Um, what, how can somebody kind of get started? You were saying like visualizing if they're drawing a total blank, like, do you have anything they can reflect on or anyone they can talk to or suggestions for them to, I don't know, like this whole idea of making a U-turn, like reconnect to themselves? Mm, Absolutely. So first of all, we always have to remember that like things don't always happen on our time. And this comes to, it comes back to this control thing. I feel like a lot of us will, And I I know I've done this before, like, I want it to be this way in this time, and it has to happen, and it has to look like this. Like, actually, we don't have that much control over everything that we do. So what's beautiful about, like, visualizing and manifesting is you can get emotionally connected to a picture for the future, and then allow the how to figure itself out. So even though you had this experience, which has been really hard for you, Like, I fully believe that all of our life experiences are meant for us. And even if it doesn't seem like that is on your path and it doesn't seem like it was your direct route from A to B that you wanted, that's actually given you so much that you can teach others from and it's given you so much life experience along the way. So I feel like we have to be available and open for these little kind of sideways movements on our path because that is our path and that's what's meant for us and it doesn't have to look the way that we think it should look and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's Mm -hmm. when it comes to visualizing I think you have to like the easiest thing is to break it down so there's a great tool called the wheel of life that is used in life coaching and it runs through eight areas of life so it runs through things like career money physical environment, romantic relationship, friends and family, leisure time, um, religion and spirituality. And it goes, it asks you basically to give yourself a rating from one to 10 on how satisfied you are with each area of your life right now. And then you look at, okay, so what would actually take you from where you are now? So let's say you're a seven out of 10 and you want to be a 10 out of 10. What would take you from a seven out of 10 to a 10 out of 10? And maybe do like a best possible self exercise for that particular area of your life first. Then take the next chunk and the next segment of your life and look at what you would take you from a five out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. So rather than doing one big visualization, which I agree with you, can be overwhelming. 
you might not know where to start and you might be thinking about like this blank canvas and nothing comes into your mind. When you start to segment it into separate areas of your life, it's much easier to get each building block or each piece of the puzzle and then develop a fuller picture from there. The second thing I would recommend is when you're doing your visualization, put yourself in it. So I used to have this visualization of driving up the PCH from like to Malibu in an open top car. And so to to use this example, I would imagine myself not seeing myself driving and looking at myself in the car, but actually me in the driver's seat feeling what it feels like to be in the car instead. So you put yourself in the movie instead of watching the movie. Mm, like you kind of zoom out and take a look at the situation like you narrate it as if it's not you no you do it the other way around so you put yourself in it and Mm -hmm. you build the visualization as if you're in it rather than rather than painting a picture and saying my vision looks like this over here out in front in 30 years time and I see myself in my home with my family and with my ideal partner you would actually put yourself in the house and you'd be seeing what it looks like to look at your countertop or look out of the window with you actually in the house itself. And that's one of the powerful ways that you can create like a more powerful association and you can get into the emotion of it so that you're in the vision instead of just observing it. Mm, I've got you. Okay. And I know that for some people like at conferences, when we're asked to like speak as if we're in our vision, there's like I don't know if it's like shame or discomfort that shows up. Like, what do you think that's about? I think we can all be more unapologetic about our vision. I think there's so much judgment in our world right now. And there's so much like, I should think this or I should do this. And it's it's normal, like growing up and positioning yourself against other people and thinking that you should do things a certain way. But I always believe when it comes to visualizing, the more that you can get quiet, get connected and really feel what feels true for you and live from that place of desire rather than from a place of thinking, rather than from a place of what does someone else want me to do? Like, what does my dad want me to do? Or what should I do? Come back and tap into that place of desire because there is no shame when it comes from desire. There is no wrong when it comes from desire. And it's getting comfortable with being unapologetic about that that can really help us not take necessarily the the full, not know how to get to the full vision immediately, but just to start taking a positive step in the right direction first. Mm, uh, Nick, I'm so happy that I had you on. This was such a like <laughs> important conversation. Is there something that I should be asking you that I haven't thought to yet? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Well, I, I honestly just, I know everybody's going to want to keep learning from you. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your book? Now is your chance. Can you tell everybody about also like the unstoppable success accelerator, like what you have going on in case they want to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely. So now is your chance is my first book. So it was an award-winning best-selling book. It won psychology book of the year in 2017. And it's a 30 day guide to living your happiest life using positive psychology So it walks you through a tip or a tool every day for 30 days. You can use it like a challenge or you can flip it open, use it like an Oracle card deck. But it's really simple, really easy to use. And those interventions are proven to help you feel happier. Then on the business side of things, we have our flagship program, which is called the Unstoppable Success Accelerator, which helps women entrepreneurs 
build amazing coaching businesses and really monetize their expertise so that they can do what they love, feel happier doing it and make a fantastic income as well. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. And I just love you so much. I love you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.